0: Notice this scripture with me this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. If you've ever wondered why this church is called Spirit of Faith Church, it's based on that verse. It comes from that verse. The contemporary English version says it this way. We have that same kind of faith. So that tells me there are different kinds of faith. And the kind of faith you have might not be the kind of faith God is looking for Are you listening to me. Now, everyone, I suppose everyone, has a natural human faith. Uh, What do I mean by that? Well, that's faith in yourself or faith in the abilities of others, you see. Anyone who has ever flown in an airplane, especially Air India, has natural human faith. Anyone who has ever started an enterprise, a business or who has competed in sports, has a measure of natural human faith. And natural human faith isn't necessarily wrong, but it's limited because we are limited. And it would be a terrible mistake for you to have infinite faith in finite men. Did you get me? Amen? So there's a lot of things that in a certain measure I believe in, but that doesn't compare to faith in God. Hallelujah. Now in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Jesus said, have faith in God. It's interesting, he never in the Gospels, I I cannot find a a single place in the Gospels where he said, have faith in yourself. Are you listening to me? And then again, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, we read, do not throw away or cast not away your confidence. Sometimes we read that and we're thinking about self-confidence. Oh yeah, I need to kind of bolster myself up. But he's not talking about self-confidence. He's talking about confidence in God. Hold on to your faith in God. And in fact, sometimes we have to lose faith in everything else before we can have faith in God. Let me say that again. Sometimes we have to lose faith in ourselves. We have to lose faith in others before we can really have faith in God. You see, here's something you need to consider. Whatever you trust in you cling to, you reach for, you hold on to. I mean, so, so you hold it close to you. You guard it. It could be your money. It could be your family, your connections, your political uh, uh, influence, whatever it is. Whatever you put your faith in, you cling to. So then, whatever you believe in more than God is an idol in your life. See, all men are believers. All men are believers, but not all are believers in God. Everybody here believes in something. Everybody in Dimapur believes in something. Some of them are believing in the wrong thing, but they do believe in something. It's not a question of whether you have faith. It's where you are directing it. So, whatever you believe in more than God, that is your God. And since God, our God, the true and living God, is a jealous God, He will allow the things you trust in to fail. Yeah. He will allow the things you are trusting in, trusting in aside from him, besides him, instead of him. He will allow those things to fail so that you may learn to put your full faith and confidence in him, in him alone. And when there's nothing left but him, you will discover he's all you really need. Come on, people say, oh, I believe the Lord. Yes, I believe in God. That's easy for everybody in Nagaland to say. But at the same time, they're leaning on this. They're, 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 they're clinging to this. They're holding on to that. And so heaven knows that you're lying. So what will God do? He'll start kicking out all the props. He'll start removing everything that you, you, you're trusting in till there's nothing left. And you'll cry. He knows it. You'll get upset. Everybody's against me. No, the Lord is for you. So there's nothing left but Him. Then you'll find out what it really means to trust God. Why? Because that's the only way to live. Are you out there today? Yes. Then again, some people have strong faith in God because they have no other choice. The Bible says that. Did you ever consider this verse? James chapter 2, verse 5 says this, has not God chosen those who are poor in this world to be rich in faith? Did you ever read that verse? It's a question, but really it's a statement. God has chosen those who are poor in this world to be rich in faith. That's why the Nagamese congregation has more faith than you. Because most of you are more on the affluent side. Not everybody, of course, but you lean in that direction. How hard it is for a rich man to trust God. You see, poverty does not equal faith. It's not like that everybody who's poor is a faith giant. That's not true. Poverty gives you opportunities to believe God that others who are well-resourced don't take. Amen. You see, those who have less money, less resources, have fewer options. There are some, so they find it easier to believe God. In fact, there are some people who will not be healed until it is believe God or die. That's true. I'm not saying you have to get to that place, but there are some people that are so hard-headed that they won't believe God. Not like, I mean, not not like they should until it's believe God or die. Come on, I know lots of people and, you know, pray for me. Yes, I'm believing God. Oh, yes. Oh, praise the Lord. Yes, I, but, you know, they're really thinking there's another treatment out there. I'll try that. I've heard about a new medicine over here. I'm going to go to Valor. Okay, I might even go to another country. See, they've still got all these little options they're thinking of. I'm not saying that it's wrong to try a different treatment. I didn't say it's, it's wrong to, you know. In fact, I would encourage you if, you, if you need to go to a doctor, get the best possible medical help you can. Don't just try to save a few bucks and go to someplace that's, you know, unscrupulous. Okay, Because I know people who have died, and I really think that it's because they got bad medical treatment. So, yeah, get the very best that you can. I, I'm, I'm saying that. But what I'm really trying to tell you is you got to get to the place where your full faith is in God. And I think an honest doctor would tell you, I'm not God. Now, there's some dishonest, dishonest doctors who might leave that impression. But an honest doctor would tell you, I, I'm not God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Please sit down. Amen. Until it's believe God or die. That's when some people say I'm going to believe God. The Psalms calls God a rock. Something like 23 different times. Why? Cuz he's sure. He's steadfast. He's reliable. He's unshakable. Uh, He's unchanging. Maybe you just, if you want to remember this sermon, just sing this on the way home. On Christ, a solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Hello, are you here? Is anybody in the house today? Amen. I said, Is anybody in the house today? It's true, it's true, it's true. You know, when you're silent, you look guilty. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23, in the New King James Version, Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. Woo! Some people kind of treat the Bible uh, like a Chinese buffet. They just open and kind of grab a little piece, and then they go run with it. But uh, you need to understand that in this verse, all things are possible to him who believes. But Jesus is referring to faith in the power of God. He's not talking about faith in your own abilities. If you read the story, if you read the context, you'll discover that a man came to Jesus on behalf of his son who was demonized. And Jesus said these words to him. And then the father of the child replied, I believe. And Jesus cast the evil spirit out of the boy and he was healed. But Jesus did not say to this father, just believe in yourself. Just psych yourself up. Come on, come on, you can do it. Come on, come on, you can do it. And the man didn't reply, I'm a winner. And not a loser. I am somebody. I, I, yes, we can. I can do it. Yes, we can. We can do it. No, that's, that's not at all what they're talking about. It's faith in God. Are you out there today? Hallelujah. And when we take scriptures out of context, then most likely we are going to misunderstand what the Bible says. And when we misunderstand it, we will also misapply it. So when we take scriptures just out of their setting, just pluck one verse out of the Bible, there's a tendency then to believe what you want to believe rather than believing what God has actually said. God watches over his word not your misinterpretation of his word. Hallelujah. Amen. So imagine, you know, maybe uh, a man borrows a large sum of money to start a business. And he boldly declares, all things are possible to him who believes. When his business goes bankrupt, he's angry with God. Uh, A young lady is to appear For an interview, and she confesses, If I can believe it, I can achieve it. When she doesn't get the job, she's disillusioned with the Lord. But let me help you today. God brought you here to give you the answers you need. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the scripture says, So then faith comes. By hearing and hearing by the word of God. God is not obligated to do whatever you wish. Write this down in your little notebook He is God. I am not. (laughs) Look at your wife, look at your husband, and say, He is God. And you are not. (laughs) Hallelujah. But God has committed himself irrevocably to his word. And when you believe the promise of God, he makes himself responsible for the results. Hallelujah. So listen carefully. The kind of faith that God honors, the kind of faith he's looking for, is based on something. See, some people just grab something out of thin air and say, I believe that. Well, I just believe it. When you believe something that's not founded in the truth, that's called make-believe. That's called deception. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about believing anything you want to believe. We're talking about the persuaded attitude of your heart in response to what God has said. So the kind of faith that God honors, some of you are looking at me like I'm speaking in Chinese or something, it worries me. The kind of faith that God honors is based on the written word of Scripture and the spoken word of the Spirit. That would be a good thing to write down. Don't write down the color shirt I was wearing. Write this down. The kind of faith that God honors is based on the written word of Scripture and the spoken word of the Spirit. Can I get an amen? Amen. F.F. Bosworth wrote the classic book, Christ the Healer. And he said this, It is impossible to boldly claim by faith a blessing which we are not sure God offers. It is impossible to boldly claim by faith a blessing, no matter what it is, if we are not sure God is offering it to us. Faith is not stealing. Faith is receiving. And you can only receive what God is giving. Amen? So he went on to say, faith begins where the will of God is known. So was it God's will that you start that business? Was it God's will that you got that job? Well, I wanted it, but that doesn't prove it's God's desire. Maybe it was, I don't know, but maybe it also wasn't. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Say that with me, if you don't mind, out loud. Faith begins... Where the will of God is known. Say this with me faith is based on the written word of Scripture and the spoken word of the Spirit. So faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Some of you folks, I know you're like sitting there kind of like, you know, I know that. I know that. I've been knowing that a long time. But maybe the person next to you doesn't know that so well. Or maybe you don't know it like you need to know it. It's possible too. Amen. So actually the word come in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. The word come is not actually in the Greek. But it is implied. It is implied. It is implied. And if you'll notice in the New King James Version, the word by, B-Y, is found twice. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And it's two different Greek words. Here's, this is a little something for the deep sheep. We have something for everybody this morning. The word by in Greek is two different words. The first word translated by is the word ek. It doesn't mean one. It means, it's a, different, it's a Greek word. It means the point of origin. It also means out of, from, the point of origin. Where are you from? You know, wh- where did you begin? So this is how faith begins. It begins right here. What does he say? By hearing. This is this is where you start by hearing. See, some people are like, oh, do we have to just sit here so long? And, uh, you know, he's going on and on. I, uh, just pray for me. No, no, I'd be wasting my time. You'd be wasting your time. Faith comes by hearing. This is where we begin. Some people don't want to hear nothing. They don't want to hear anything, except here's the money. I mean, other than that, they don't want to hear anything. They don't, they, don't, they don't want to listen to anything at all. Listen, if you don't have time to hear what God has to say, he doesn't have time to hear what you have to say. Because it's not, it doesn't matter what Pastor John says, it doesn't matter what Pastor Jeppy, Pastor Lloyd says, this is God's word. No matter who's preaching it, this is what God has said. Amen. By hearing and hearing by the word of God. The second word, by, is the Greek word dia, D I A. It means through the channel of. Like water flows through, dia, a pipe. Electricity flows, dia, through a wire, through the channel of. You see, some people are tuned into the wrong channel. They're hearing, but it's not God's word. It's something else. I think we can say it this way. Faith comes by hearing the truth of God. Unbelief and fear come by hearing the devil. See, I got you for maybe really an hour on Sunday. And then, you know, CNN has you for the rest of the week. BBC, the British Brainwashing Corporation, has you for the rest of the week. <laughs> That's true. Then, yeah, you, you, uh, it, you, it'd be very rare that they had some truth of God in their, in their things, in their broadcast. Hallelujah. So the word has the ability to produce faith. When you accept it, you hear it and accept it. Hallelujah. Now, I'll go a little further. The most reliable Greek manuscripts, again, if this is like over your head, don't worry. It, it don't matter. But for some people, they could latch onto this. The most reliable Greek manuscripts say, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. In fact, some translations say that. The most reliable Greek says, By the word of Christ. So the word Christ uh, in this verse is in the genitive case of Christ, belonging to Christ, from Christ. That's what it means. So probably he means by hearing a message about Christ, which is the gospel. And that makes sense. It fits in with what he says. But just throw this out there. It's possible that it could also be translated a word from Christ. I said, it's possible that Romans 10, 17 could be translated, faith comes by hearing a word from Christ. If that's true, then that might suggest that the Spirit of Christ will give you the right word at the right time for your situation. But nonetheless, I am sure of this, that the Holy Spirit will help you. He will help you to understand the word of God. He'll help you to apply the word of God. He will shine a light into your heart. Amen. Now, to the casual observer, natural human faith and the God kind of faith may appear virtually identical. To the casual observer, at first glance, natural human faith. And this God kind of faith, this, this spirit of faith, this Bible faith, they may appear to be almost the same thing, virtually identical. But there is a fundamental difference between the two, and it's the source. It's why a person believes. So it's not enough to believe something. We have to ask, why do you believe that? Oh, I just believe this, I just believe that, I just believe this. Why do you believe that? And you better be careful how you answer that question. It's the difference between making and breaking. Why do you believe that? Hmm? Amen? So, going back to the Old Testament, when David heard about Goliath, the big Philistine, when David heard about Goliath... He was not intimidated. In fact, he was inquisitive. He wanted, he inquired about Saul's offer, King Saul's offer, that the man who kills this giant will marry the king's daughter, he will get riches, and his family will be tax exempt. Of course, you folks living in Nagaland, maybe that's you every day. But for David, you know, that's good news, you know. And so David thought to himself, this is a wonderful opportunity. I should take advantage of this, which is great. Riches, king's daughter, no more taxes. I mean, just forget about the taxes. I think I'll do it, right? And uh, see, the man who has a spirit of faith doesn't shrink from a challenge. I think he eagerly anticipates it. See, you're praying, Lord, please, no more challenges. No more, no more, no more difficulties. Then you don't have a spirit of faith. And by the way, I wish that prayer could be answered. It will when you die. (laughs) When you go to heaven, you won't have any more challenges. Amen? See, David, his essential character, he was a fighter. He was a fighter. Woo! That's why God chose him. He's a fighter. And the Bible tells me that you got to have that same attitude because it says, fight the good fight of faith. That's what it says in the book of, what is it, First or Second Timothy? Fight the good fight of faith. Some people don't have any fight in them. The devil says, boo, and they cry. Ooh. Hear a little bad report? Oh, you know, grandmother's not feeling well. Ah! You got to be a fighter. When David saw Goliath, he saw an opportunity. I'll take him. He wasn't drafted, he volunteered. Some people, when there's a challenge, they're, they fade into the background. Where's Brother Zama Zama? I don't know, he was here a minute ago. <laughs> David came to the forefront. When you have a spirit of faith, you're not trying to hide from danger. You rise to the forefront. I'll fight him. I'll take it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Woo. Hallelujah. However, David's oldest brother, Eliab, didn't say amen. <laughs> he scorned him. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28, we read what he said, 1 Samuel 17, 28. Why did you come down here? That's not a question. That's a statement. Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride. And the insolence, Insolent means like rude, rebellious, The insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. The man who has a spirit of faith is often accused of being proud. I said, The man, and I mean the man or a woman, who has a spirit of faith, that's God kind of faith, is often accused of being proud. He said, I know you're proud. Your heart's full of pride. He sounded so, you know, sanctimonious when he said, "Your heart's full of pride." <laughs> so here's the question: Was David that day? He, he 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 stepped forward. He said, "I'll fight the giant," and and he faced him. Was David acting arrogantly that day? Was David acting? Was he in pride? Well, the Bible says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And it's obvious from reading the story that God helped David slay that big sucker. knock that giant down. So he could not have been in pride. But he was accused of it. Hold that thought. Likewise, the man who has a spirit of fear is often thought of as being humble come on there's some people they portray themselves or their or people think of them as being humble and it's not humility it's fear true humility is not being uncertain of everything you do well, i don't know if i could do anything i you know me i i'm just you know nothing everything i try i I don't really think that oh i don't know they think that's being humble that's fear it's also unbelief amen humility god's definition of humility is recognizing your total dependence on him like that old song i can't even cross the street without him holding my hand i need him every hour I need him every day. I'm, I, I'm nothing without him, but I'm not without him. That's true humility. So the reason people are afraid, they're trusting in themselves. Well, I'm not afraid, I'm just shy. Same a thing. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have like a phobia. I'm just shy. Same thing. Shyness is the fear of man. And you're afraid because you're trusting in yourself. Shyness is not a virtue, it's a vice. Is Jesus shy? Did he walk around? (laughs) Mm -mm. He faced his opponents. I mean, it's everybody against him. And, he, and he, didn't, he didn't water down the truth. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Ooh, boy. He said, you are of your father, the devil. Man, these people are blowing fuses. Their brains are bursting all over. The, and he's by himself. The Bible doesn't say, and the 12 were standing there with him. Yeah, that's right. No, they were like, they were like you. In case he dies, I want to get a head start, you know, running the other way. <laughs> people are afraid because they're trusting in themselves. Amen. Amen. Things are not often as they appear. Faith doesn't come from pride. It comes from humility. So pumping people up with ego doesn't produce faith. It produces natural human faith, but not the God kind of faith. Pride is misplaced confidence. It is a result of trusting your own abilities. That day, David was supremely confident. It was shocking how confident he was. He never stuttered. He never backtracked. He never kind of, you know, sort of, you know, watered down what he had said. He didn't take it back. He doubled down. But he was confident for the right reasons. He knew God was on his side. We have the same spirit of faith. I said, we have the same spirit of faith. Proverbs 326 says, For the Lord will be your confidence. By the way, why was his brother so angry? I mean, you can read this, you know, it doesn't say, and his brother was angry, or maybe it does, but you can read this and you can tell he's 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 ticked off, majorly ticked off. Why have you come down here? Why? Why was he so angry? Because of the contrast. David's faith highlighted his brother's unbelief. It made him look bad. If you are confident, supremely confident for the right reason, because my trust is in the Lord, if you are supremely confident... In the Lord, some Christians will get irritated. They, they, they get upset. huh? They want you, just like Eliab, they want you to join them in the nala of fear and unbelief. <laughs> where everybody else is. Come on. You're no better than me, and I've been defeated my whole life. Very inspiring, you know. yeah they'll even tell you yeah 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 I used to be like a young whippersnapper like you and but then I found out the harsh reality that I'm nothing so come sit next to me I don't want to sit next to nothing (laughs) amen hallelujah Eliab belittled his brother right He, he he made light of him and with whom have you left those few sheep what is he saying He's, he's not asking. Hey, I'm concerned. Some of those sheep may get lost. Our father won't be happy. That, that's not what he means. He means you're nothing. You. You're nothing. You're a mosquito. You're a nat. Who are you? Who do you think you are? You got no business being here. This is for real men. So join me in the nala. <laughs> and, and and some of your. Family members have said similar things, haven't they? Who do you think you are? <laughs> Talking so big. <laughs> I know who you are. I know you. That brother John's just filled your head with a lot of nonsense. That's all. See, they're trying to belittle you. See, because faith makes unbelief look bad. There's nothing worse than saying it can't be done, only to watch someone else go ahead and do it. By the way, just think a little bit. I wonder how Eliab felt as he watched David take down that giant. I said, I wonder how his big brother felt sitting there with everybody else watching David take that guy down. Everybody's cheering. Ha ah, ah. Ha! And a moment ago you just got through scolding him. "Who do you think you are?" Pfft, you're nothing. Get out of here. And then everybody's cheering, and you, what do you do? You're probably embarrassed. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, he did it) <laughs> If he was from Nagaland. If he was from Nagaland, he would have said something like, You see, all the time, I'm just trying to help the lad. I'm just trying to push him out. And I, I, I believe I've always I've actually mentored him. I mentored him. Maybe as Eliab watched David slay that big guy, he began to realize, hmm. Maybe that's why Samuel didn't anoint me to be king. Because God doesn't anoint Nala dwellers. (laughs) Oh, it's real quiet. It's even quieter now. Hallelujah. Do I have to bust in some people from another church to help you? Hallelujah. Or maybe, as he watched David slay the giant, maybe he's even angrier. (laughs) Let me help you. There's some people... Even in the church world, you know, I say that in a general sense, they hope you fail. They hope you fail because they think that'll prove that they were right, that it's better to live in fear and doubt and unbelief. Someone stands up and says, Well, I believe God and I got a miracle. And they're like, I hate you. (laughs) That's not the right attitude. Don't be an Eliab. Paul didn't say we have the same faith that Eliab had. He didn't have any faith. We have have a David-like faith. Hallelujah. And you might think this is superfluous, but I tell you that in your life, at least once, you will face your Goliath. How you respond will determine what kind of faith you have. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know, uh, as you progress, as you move up, those giants just get bigger. New levels, new devils. So if you don't learn it now, you know, you're going to stay in in spiritual kindergarten until Jesus comes back. (laughs) You might as well just grab hold of it right now. Hallelujah. All of the Israelites in the field that day believed in the true and living God to some extent. They're they're not Gentiles. They're, they're, They're the seed of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham. They have a covenant with God. As Saul sent David out to meet Goliath, he said to him, Go, and the Lord be with you. So they all have a measure of faith. Think about it. Saul, if you, if you have read the Bible, you'd realize Saul was head and shoulders taller than everybody else in Israel. When, when they, at his coronation, you know, when they installed him as king, He's, he's head and shoulders, tall and he's a tall guy. He's like me, he's tall guy, not as good looking as me, but tall guy. And um, <laughs> so why didn't, why didn't Saul face Goliath? Because we don't know how tall David is at this point, but the understanding is he, he's just a little guy. He's a, he's a young guy. He didn't even come from the Sunday morning service. He was in covenant kids. If Saul is tall, why didn't he face the giant? Because Goliath was taller. Natural human faith is based on what you see. The God kind of faith is based on the things you do not see. We walk by faith, not by sight. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. What kind of faith do you have? Now, I did not say that natural human faith is is sinful or, or that it's necessarily wrong. Through natural human faith, men have built impressive structures, skyscrapers and bridges that span great distances. They even put a man on the moon. But natural faith is limited to natural things. It can't save you from sin, and it does not receive the grace of God. I think some Christians believe in saving faith, but then live their life with natural human faith. And Christianity doesn't work that way. And that's why you're disappointed, that's why you're frustrated. Natural faith is based on the flesh, either yours or somebody else's. But the problem is the flesh, your, your physical abilities, is like the grass. The Bible says the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That's why when people are young, shall I say young and dumb? No, not, I won't do that. Just when, when people are young, Sometimes they're just brimming, sometimes they're brimming with natural human faith. I can do this. I am some, I'm going to take Delhi by storm. You know, they have full of natural human faith. And when they get older, they don't have as much confidence in themselves. Why? The grass withers and the flower fades. That's why some of these young girls are kind of cocky. When they're older, would you marry me? <laughs> I waited too long. (laughs) Oh, boy, I'm in trouble now. Let's move on. Maybe that's a Ramo word for somebody. I don't know. (laughs) If you want a different kind of life, you'll need a different kind of faith. And if you want to make a difference in this world for God... You'll need a different faith. Not only that, God is looking for a faith that is pure—a faith that is pure. In the time I have left, let me hit a couple of points, and uh, we'll let you go. But notice First Peter chapter one verse seven. I'll read this from the easy to read version. First Peter one seven: These troubles test your faith. And prove that it is pure. Such faith is worth more than gold. Hmm. How many of you realize that 24-karat gold does not exist in nature? It comes out of the ground with impurities, alloys, other base metals blended in with it. Pure gold has been refined, it's gone through the furnace, it's burned off all of these impurities. Likewise, faith is proven and faith is purified in the furnace of troubles. Well, I actually got a one. That's right. I'm really surprised because I understand most people don't want to hear this, but it's the fact. It's a fact. It's true. I said faith is proven and purified in the furnace of troubles. Hmm. You see a man who has pure faith. Trust me. He's been through some flames. He's faced some challenges. He's met some Goliaths in his life. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. In the trials of life, the alloys of pride, bravado, selfishness, religiosity, those things are exposed and burned away. Adversity does not make a man lose his faith. Adversity merely revealed the weakness and the impurities in his faith. So you think, well, brother Zama Zama had such a hard time and you know such trouble, and he just fell away from the Lord. He didn't fall away because of the trouble. He fell away because of the inherent weakness in his faith. Hmm. You see, everybody appears to have faith until Goliath shows up. Everybody marches proudly onto the field. Oh, yeah. We are the army of the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to take. And then suddenly, (laughs) oh, mama, help me. (laughs) Everybody looks like they have faith. When the sun is shining and the birds are singing, you know, and the children walk past you, you know, joyfully, and you got money in your pocket and your wife loves you, just like, I have faith today. Hallelujah. I am faith man. Even sinners act that way. But when all hell breaks loose, then we find out what you're really made of. And by the way, there's no such thing as untested faith. You can come to church and say, I believe. And So I know the Lord heard me, and the devil heard you too. And guess what? He's going he's to find out whether you really believe or not. Don't look at me like a bunch of Presbyterian deacons. You know what I'm saying is true. <laughs> Amen. Everybody appears to have faith until the storm comes, until the challenges come. Real faith will be proven. Can, can you take a little bit more? Who I don't know. I don't know. Can you take a little, come on. Can you take a little bit more, a little more truth? Can you go a little further? Yes. I, I, I promise you, your chicken will wait for you. Your bamboo shoot will wait for you. I promise you. James 2.22. New King James Version. James 2.22. Do you see that faith... Was working together with his works. And by works, faith was made perfect. By his works, his faith was made perfect. God not only wants pure faith, he wants perfect faith. And that must be possible. I said that must be possible, otherwise, Holy Spirit would not inspire James to write this. We cannot obtain perfect results with imperfect faith. Are you out there? So faith is an inward attitude that inspires outward action. Faith can be seen. You could see David's faith. You could hear it. You could see it. And our works, and when I say works, I'm not necessarily just talking about good deeds, charitable deeds. That that could be true. But I just mean our actions. Our works work with our faith. And our works work on our faith. In other words, our faith is improved. When we take action. That's what he's saying. Our actions reveal what we believe and our actions improve our believing. Are you out there today? Hebrews 12.2 says this. It calls Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Perfecter of our faith. So he is the object of our faith, and he is the source of our faith. He is the one we believe in, and our faith comes from him. But he's also the spiritual fitness trainer of your faith. I said he's the developer, the perfecter of your faith. He is your faith coach. He's your spiritual trainer. So, you know, if you want to move to the next level... You really need someone who's there to kind of urge you on, to push you on, right? Again, all the gym analogies, but, you know, obviously somewhat foreign to my life. But anyways, you know, uh, you know, there's, you, you know, in the gym, there's certain people that will say, come on, you know, another set. Come on, you can, you could, come on, crank it, dig deeper. You can do it. They're, they're urging you to go a little further, you know, push a little harder, right? They're setting goals, knowing that you can reach them, you see. Jesus is not happy or let's say he's not satisfied with you simply having faith. Like, okay, tick that box, let's move on. He wants perfect faith. Does anybody in this room have perfect faith? Don't raise your hand because I already know the answer. But could our faith be perfected? Could we be in the process of developing our faith with God's help? Yeah. Yeah. That's the point. That's why you're here. Amen. So since faith works when we act on God's word and our actions work on our faith and Jesus is the perfecter of our faith, he will compel you to take action. Because that's how your faith is perfected. That's one way. Notice how often... Just give me a minute here. Notice how often in the four Gospels, when people needed a miracle or a breakthrough or provision, Jesus told them to do something. Notice, it happens all the time. When people came to Jesus, they need healing. They they, they, they need deliverance. They, they, They have a need to be met. Very often, Jesus gave them something to do. Because our works work on our faith. For example, ten lepers came to him for healing. And he instructed them in Luke chapter 17, verse 14. He said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And the Bible says, and as they went, they were healed. He didn't pray for them. He didn't lay hands on them. He didn't even encourage them. He gave them something to do. Go. Show yourselves to the priest. Because they were Jews. And under the Jewish law, if a leper was healed, he had to present himself to the priest to be admitted back into society. So basically, he's saying, you've got it. You're healed. And the implication is this, that with every step they took, they got better. When I read it, that's what I see. In other words... He didn't say, go show yourself to the priest, and boom, they were instantly healed. And said, oh, look at that. We're healed. Let's go to the priest. As they went, so I'm going to go to the priest now. I still have all of the defects. I still have all of the disease. I still have all of the symptoms. I'm no better. I take a step, and maybe I'm slightly better. Hmm. I do. Another step. I'm getting better. And as they were walking, wow, look at that. Look at that. Hey, hey. And as they kept going, they got better and better. Their faith was working with their works. Hallelujah. One guy came back and, said, and gave God praise. And Jesus said to him, your faith has made you well. So that was a walk of faith. And it's a walk some people don't ever start. I think in the lives of many Christians, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And they just stood there and said, hmm. Uh, heal me and then I'll go." "And they've been waiting there for 25 years. Are you out there? "Hallelujah. Eat extra bamboo shoot for me. OK? Do that. When you go home, <laughs> tell your mama, give me some extra bamboo shoot." Pastor John spoke too long. All right. Jesus and his disciples. they saw a man who was blind from birth. And Jesus walked over, laid hands on him, and said, oh, God, please heal this man. Come on, Peter, John, help me. Please, Lord, we just pray. Let's all fast and pray. Uh Uh-uh. He spit. Now, sometimes I spit by accident. He spit on purpose. That's why we put some distance between this in the front row. All the new members, if you're too close, you get anointed. He spit in the ground, gross, and then it gets worse. He wasn't chewing pond, it gets worse, He spitting around, and then he, 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 he mixed the spit with the dirt, and then it gets even worse. This is nasty, what's going on here? And he rubbed it. On the blind man's eyes. Can you imagine what Peter and John are thinking? I was going to ask you to pray for me, but I changed my mind. (laughs) And then not only that, in John chapter 9, verse 7, he told the blind man, go. See, here's something else, instructions, go. And wash in the pool of Siloam. Wash it off in the pool of Siloam. Well, if you read John chapter 8, verse 59, you'll see that Jesus had just exited. He just left the temple courts, the temple complex, the temple area in Jerusalem. This is where this took place. So this man is somewhere right near the temple, evidently. And the pool of Siloam, if you look on a map, it's about half a kilometer away. It's actually on the other side of town. And, and the pool of Bethesda is actually a lot closer. It's right there. It's just on the other side of the temple. They're there at the temple. It's just there. But Jesus didn't say, Wash in the pool of Bethesda. He said, Wash in the pool of Siloam, half a kilometer away. And it's not a straight shot. He has to go through narrow alley passageways, ascending and descending steep steps to get there. And by the way, remember, he's still blind. He didn't get healed and then say, Now go wash it off. No, he's still blind. And Jesus did not offer to take him there. Jesus didn't say, the scripture doesn't say, and then he said, Peter, you and John, escort this blind man, make sure he safely gets to the pool of Siloam, and we'll all wait. He said, he gave him instructions wash it off, and then Jesus went on his way. That's the Bible. That's your Jesus. It almost seems cruel. Doesn't it? If this blind man was like some people I know, he would have just sat back down in the dirt and said, what a heartless pastor. (laughs) Hmm. He preaches love, but he doesn't practice it. I just don't think a man of God should behave that way. But the blind man did not wallow in self-pity. He didn't murmur and grumble. He didn't take a water bottle and just wash it off and say, I ain't going to Silo. I'm not stupid. I might trip. I might fall, break my nose. He obeyed. And Jesus not only opened his physical eyes, he opened his spiritual eyes. And he said to the blind man, the formerly blind man, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he said, who is he, Lord? And he said, you see him right now. He not only saw him this way, he saw him in here. Are you out there today? So what's my point? Perfect faith requires action, obedience, obedience. Our problem is we want everything handed to us on a silver platter. We don't want to put forth any effort at all. Pastor, I need a miracle. Oh, I'm in such trouble. Can you pray for me? Well, how about tomorrow morning, Sunday morning after the service? Uh, um, well, see, the thing is uh, I was going to go visit my grandmother uh, all right, how about Wednesday after the service? Um, um, it's hard to get an auto. Um, I, I the weather forecast says it might rain that day. My umbrella is not working. This, Jesus said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Full stop. Now it's up to you, buddy. We actually don't help people by just coddling them. We don't. Sometimes we got to just give them the word, and they may not like it, and they may feel, "Eh," but if they want the results, they've got to obey God's word. That's why I'm saying sometimes I don't make it super easy for people. Why? Because they've got to develop their faith. Someone that got saved yesterday, that's one thing. Someone who's been in this church for 25 years, go wash in the pool of Siloam. (laughs) Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. You say you want God to work a miracle, but how strong is your want to? Faith is perfected as we obey the voice of God without hesitation. Let's all stand to our feet. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.